like to direct your attention to the book of 2 Timothy. Timotheus number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Just two verses of scripture. We're going to start in verse number 24. 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If, everybody said if, God peradventure. Now that is an old English word. It's still in the, it's still in the English lexicon, but it's hardly used in modern English. It simply means maybe, possibly, perhaps. If God perhaps will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And I simply... Well, this is entitled The Arena. The Arena. Why don't we put our Bibles down and lift our hands and lift our voices in preparation for the Word of God here today. God, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we've come into this house to magnify your name, to receive fresh direction, fresh manna, eat from the king's table we'll give you praise glory and recognition we thank you in advance in Jesus name and everybody said amen God bless you you may be seated I have preached this message before the Bible says that a wise scribe bringeth forth things both old and new. And last night felt like the Spirit of God gave me absolute direction about this service here this morning. But before I proceed any further... I want to welcome Sister Krista Seymour back home. This is her first time in this building. And it's just good to have her back where she belongs in Jesus' name. And really great to see everybody, but she has been, she's been in a, a long, long valley. And we just pray that today's going to be a mountaintop. In Jesus' name, amen. 
This is one of the most unusual passages of Scripture that can be found anywhere in the entirety of Holy Writ. There is a revelation in this particular passage of Scripture. Um, and like so many other passages in Scripture, we become so familiarized with Scripture that oftentimes we miss some of the hidden jewels and some of the, the great purpose and the meaning that God has for us, at least at first glance. But make no mistake about it, in this particular passage of Scripture that is being written by the Apostle Paul to his son in the gospel, Timothy. Timothy is now the pastor at the Thunderous Church at Ephesus. Out of all the churches that are um, mentioned in the New Testament, there are just some notable distinctives about the church at Ephesus. That is not really our subject matter here today, but suffice it to say that there was more spiritual resistance that was described in Ephesus than there is in other places. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, the Apostle Paul wrote that he wrestled with the beast at Ephesus. And it was at Ephesus that he got a revelation and an understanding of the demonic hierarchy that is mentioned in Ephesians chapter number six when he talked about principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this present world and spiritual wickedness in high places. I could go on, but just wanted to give you a little bit of evidence that Ephesus was unlike, at least descriptively in the epistles, of spiritually in other places. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to this young pastor, and he is making some incredible statements here that we will review here in just a few moments. Make no mistake about it, what we are seeing here in 2 Timothy chapter number 2 is really an arena, but it is not the only arena that is talked about in the Word of God. When we talk about an arena, we are talking about a spiritual environment, um, an arrangement, if you please, in which there is opposition, invisible opposition, demonic opposition. And there are incredible outcomes that are attached to this opposition. And then there is an observance. There are those in the spirit world and in the physical world. There are people in attendance like this today um, that it will have far-reaching implications in this particular arena. Some of the other arenas that are mentioned in the Word of God is Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1, which is a familiar passage to us. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Here, um, apostolic theologian and scribe Dr. Marvin Tree said that this, in this particular passage, it is literally talking about witnesses that have gone on before us that are literally watching us 
observing. And if we could hear what they're saying in the spirit, they are egging us on that you can make it to the finish line in your Christian journey. And just so that you, you can relate to people that are in, in, up in the witness stands or in the Colosseum, if you please, is people like, um, people like Abraham and people like Moses and people like Jacob and people like Joseph. But we also got some characters in there like Samson, like Rahab. There's some people that are in there that are saying that if I made it, you can make it. If I kept going, then you can keep going. Come on, I want to tell you, there's a quitting spirit in our world. This is no hour to be playing around and thinking about quitting. We are at the end of this. I know that every generation has had their wars and rumors of wars, and they've all looked at eschatology in the Bible and all said, well, this surely must be the last days. And there's always been wars and rumors of wars. But there has never been transgenderism like there is in our world today. There has never been lawlessness like there is in our world today. I want to tell you, we are at the threshold of the end times. It's no time to think about quitting. It's no time to stay backslidden. It's time to say, I'm going to go out of this world with fine colors. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give Jesus a praise. There are other arenas in the Word of God, the garden, in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, the book of genes. We have the garden where you have humanity, you have the devil, you have God, and then you have the incredible potential if the right path is pursued. In every one of these arenas, you have these entities and principles. Then you have David and Goliath. Um, the nation of Israel was absolutely um, at a standstill. They could not grow any further south. A lot of people don't understand the geographical and the prophetical implications of David actually confronting Goliath. But in order for the nation of Israel to continue to grow and to move southward, there was a great valley, and they stood on each side of that valley with the giant on one side and a little shepherd boy on the other. And aren't you glad that he had an anointing and had a walk with God? Because after Goliath was defeated, they were able to continue to expand and grow and, and push out their barriers. Job is the classic arena where you have Job trying to interpret the daily events of an incredible chapter in his life. Unbeknownst to Job, there is a devil and God that have a wager. The devil is trying to get Job's integrity. And I want to tell you that's what the devil is after in your life. That is what the devil is after in my life is my integrity with God and my integrity with others and my integrity with myself. But because Job did not sin and he saw it all the way to the finish line, he got double for his trouble. I want to preach to somebody that if you'll just hang in there and you'll continue to show up until you go up, you're going to get double for your trouble. Then we have the ultimate arena with God manifest in the flesh. With the entirety of the human race in the balances. But Jesus triumphed openly 
spoiling principalities and powers. Somebody said, praise the Lord. But all of these different arenas are externalized. They're within the pages of Holy Writ for us to review, for us to glean, for us to determine and ascertain and make application. But every single week, you and I gather together inside an arena in which there are spiritual forces that are watching. There are spiritual eternities and destinations in the balance. There is human will that's in the balance. All of these forces have come together and are found in our text in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Notice with me the various entities that are described in our text here this morning. The servant of the Lord must not strive. The most important factor in this incredible supernatural equation is the man of God. I am not preaching this today because I feel like I need to elevate myself in your eyes. I, that's, that's, that is, I don't believe that's why God sent me here to preach this here today. But the most important factor in this equation is the man of God. That he has got to exercise a level of consecration and dedication. That the foxes that are nipping at his heels cannot destroy the greater prerogative and the greater purpose of this church service today. And you can almost mark it down, and I've talked about this before, that I can always tell during the week with situations that arise and this situation and that situation and this going on and that going on, that there are things that are going on in the Spirit and it's trying to sidetrack me from Sunday. I want to tell you that Sunday is the most important day of your week. Not, that's exactly right. Why? Because we gather into the arena. And that is where God and the devil and you and I come together. And that is where we determine. Oh, come on, somebody. That is where things are determined that are not determined in your prayer closet. They are not determined on the job. They are not determined on the telephone with a brother or a sister. They are determined where the word of God and the man of God. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. Let's serve notice to the spirit world that I'm going to wring everything I can out of this. I'm not going to let... The Apostle Paul places the crux of responsibility upon the servant of the Lord. He is not to strive. And I want to tell you that no man is perfect. And what the devil wants to do more than anything is to have the pastor or an evangelist or somebody come to this pulpit 
with something going on between their ears, a problem. I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you what happens. Is the devil starts bringing people's faces to my mind. And he tries to accuse you to me. You just thought it was you opening up your Bible and just giving a little message. No, you're in the arena. And the devil's first weapon of trying to sabotage what God is going to do in this service today is to get this pastor sidetracked on a potential problem that does not even exist. I want to silence that voice right now. I am your best friend. I am for your I am for your eternal security. I am here for your peace. I am here for your deliverance. I am here for your victory. I am here for your power. I am here for you to get me. Somebody in the back, go ahead and clap your hands and give God. You cannot afford to allow anything to exist between you and the pulpit. The second entity is this particular group of people that the Bible describes as opposing themselves. What really does that mean? That's only used in two or three places in the entirety of Scripture. And what that really means is is that you have taken a position in your own life that is adversarial to God's will in your life. You think you're right. I shouldn't point like that. (laughs) But through either, it starts with thoughts and thoughts turn into actions and now the tempter turns into the accuser and now you have set yourself in opposition to the perfect will of God in your life. The third entity that is described in this passage of Scripture is God himself. And God is willing and ready to do what only God can do. If. Everybody said if. So you just waltzed in here thinking, well, I heard God's a healer. Yeah, God's a healer. If you believe that God can heal. Well, I believe that God can give me the victory if you'll repent of the nonsense you've been involved in and start walking the way that God's got for you, then God will do his part. Well, I'm just here to get my little blessing. If you'll go ahead and get in alignment with the word of God, spirit of God, of man of God, and go ahead and let God bless you. It's all conditional. Go ahead and clap your hands and give God the praise. Do I want to see people healed? Yesterday. Do I want to see people have joy? Last week. Do you want to see people run the aisles? And you, you know, I'm getting too old to run the aisles. Pastor, don't go there. We're on live stream. This is what I got to say about live stream. I'm not afraid of that camera. I'm getting too old to run the aisles. I need some of you young ones to say, you know what? The pastor can't do it all. I'll go ahead and take a lap for him. 
I didn't mean. What? I see you way over here. <laughs> Look at these sisters running. Oh my goodness. I'm starting to feel bad. But since we're running, let's go ahead and praise the Lord a little bit. If you haven't taken a lap in a while, it's time to serve notice on the devil. Today is the day. You're getting off my back, and you're getting out of my parking spot, and you're getting out of my mind. God bless you. You may be seated. God is, is the most critical factor, obviously, because only he can do what really needs to be done. And then lastly, in verse number 26, you have the devil that has taken people captive at his will. There are people under the sound of my voice, and I love you. I'm not picking on you, but I'm, I just, I'm going to tell you, one of the reasons why I'm preaching this here tonight or today is because I am preaching to the supernatural. I want the devil to know that I know that if I'll walk in this, then you have no choice but to let those people go. If I walk in this, you'll have no choice but to take your claws out of their brain. If I walk in this, you have no choice but to get out of their finances and get off their children and get out of their marriage. And If I walk in this, I'll know that God will move and we'll have the greatest revival you've ever had in your life. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. One of the things that we need to understand unequivocally is that the devil comes to church. Luke chapter number four, verse number 33. And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. So let me talk to the devil here. You're going to have to find another house to live in after today. See, this is what I'm talking about. If you and I can work together, I'm not in opposition to you. You and I, you got to get rid of that mentality. You got to understand that is not from God. That is not from the pastor. That is not from the Word of God. The devil knows if I can be, if I can have you in opposition to this, then he stays. And so, I'm glad you're here today. Because you're going to have to find another house to live in. 
Here is a man that went to the synagogue. The synagogue was not the temple. The temple was in Jerusalem. The synagogue was the low, if I could, I'm just using this word so that you can understand what I'm saying. It was the local church in another city. Because only the temple existed in Jerusalem. But here in the synagogue, there's a guy sitting back there that's got an unclean spirit. And he cried with a loud voice. And it wasn't hallelujah. It wasn't praise the Lord. You know, I know that that unclean spirit is in this house somewhere. And I don't have to really even know where you are. I just got to present Jesus Christ. And if we'll manifest Jesus, that unclean spirit will say, you know, I don't feel safe around here today. If you'll just go ahead and praise him anyhow, make that spirit a little nervous. If you'll lift your voice anyhow, you'll make that devil a little nervous here today. Why don't we take a moment and lift your voice and instead of crying and complaining and whining and being bitter, we praise the name of Jesus. No, come on, somebody. Praise him from the bottom of your feet. Praise him from the bottom of your heart. And the voice of that spirit said, Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, thou holy one of God. You know what? If we can manifest the spirit of God to such a crescendo, to such a pitch, then that spirit has to say, you know what? I'm either going to have to bow myself or I'm going to have to get into the pigs. But you can't stay here. Come on, somebody in the back. Throw your hand up and say, I'm going to... Instead of being profane, I'm going to be a praiser. Come on, get the devil nervous. He can't have my hands. You can't have my praise. You can't have my heart. You can't have my imagination. You can't have my eyeballs. You can't have my direction. You can't. Come on, everybody shout right now. If you're in this house today, make that spirit nervous and shout with all your strength. I'm telling you, God's going to be all in all here today. You may be seated. Satan is in this building. According to John chapter number 8 and verse number 4, to lie. John chapter number 8 and verse number 44 tells me that he was a murderer from the beginning. You are of the fa- your father of the devil. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. 
When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. When preaching goes forth, when ministry goes forth, you cannot afford to be making some stupid little remark out of the side of your mouth. You got, you got to break that chain and say, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to go ahead and obey with the book of Philippians chapter number four, verse number six. I'm going to think on these things. I'm going to, whatsoever is pure. What's, come on, somebody. Whatsoever is right. Whatsoever is just. Whatsoever is of a good report. Instead of letting the devil make fun of somebody, the Holy Ghost started of life saying, I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to greet that person. I'll never forget, 37 years ago, visiting the church I got saved in. And while my pastor was preaching, the devil was talking. While God was coming in here, the devil was speaking here. And you know what he was saying? He was saying, you ain't ever going to be able to enjoy going out on a Friday night anymore. You hang around here. You ain't going to be able to enjoy the pornography and all the stuff that you're immersed in anymore. He was appealing to the addictions of my flesh. He was telling me, you're not going to be able to, to do the drugs anymore that you enjoy so much, and you're not going to be able to to, you're going to forget what the taste of alcohol is all about. And you're, you're going to forget what nicotines. And you're not going to be able to enjoy going out whenever you want to and being a rock and roller and all that. And you know what? Me wanting peace was greater than me being on drugs. Me experiencing joy was more important than me being on a one-night stand. I'm preaching to somebody's unclean spirit today. That it, come on, child of God, if you'll take God's side in this. God will do his part. According to 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse number 25. If God might give them repentance. Let me tell you something. You don't repent just any time you want to. My Bible tells me it's the goodness of God that leads, that you can ask for forgiveness anywhere, anytime, anyplace. If we confess our sins, he is just and righteous, forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John chapter one, verses seven through nine. But I'm not talking about forgiveness. I'm talking about change, where you change you say, Pastor, I can't change. I listened to that song, Freebird by Skinnerd Leonard. 
Minard, Ninard, Leonard, Skinnerd. The Lord knows I can't change. Pastor, how do you know that song's so good? Because I used to play that song. And we're just all banging into the walls and, you know, fill my cup up with booze and take more drugs because I can't change. I want to tell you what. If you can acknowledge the truth about your condition, God says, give that guy repentance. Give that sister repentance. Give that person repentance. And all hell's got to stand there, frozen. But you got to really want it, girl. You got to really want what God's got available for you. Come on, somebody, clap your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. You got to say, I'm tired of the fornication. I'm tired of the profanity. I'm tired of living on the bottom. I'm tired of living with the unclean. I want the word of God. I want God. Somebody lift your voice like a trumpet. No, come on, somebody, 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 somebody praise him. We're in the arena. Eternity is watching you today. What is this if all about? The Bible says of the acknowledging of the truth. When the pastor gets up and preaches against fornication, you don't, you don't let that unclean spirit in you bow up and say, I'm giving that up. When the pastor talks about living below the dignity and the responsibility of a Christian, you don't allow that spirit to just bow you up. And that pastor talks about that it's not in the will of God to live together, to cohabitate together. That is of this culture. It's of the devil. But that marriage is blessed of God. And I might add it's between a man and a woman. I might add it's between a man and a woman. I might add that it's between a man and a woman. You don't let that unclean spirit say, well, he's out of touch. He's out of touch with culture. He's out of touch with what's happening. You tell that unclean spirit, you are out of here. You are out of here today. You are off me today. The worst thing that you can do when the servant of the Lord, he's not preaching because he has an attitude. He's not preaching because he's got an ax to grind. He's not preaching because he's against you. He's not preaching because he's, he's, trying, to, he's trying to take a dig at you. And, he, and he's, trying to, he's, he's, he's taking a personal, personally advantage in the arena that's the importance when a servant of the Lord sabotages what God is doing. That's on the servant of the Lord. But when there's been, when there's been consecration and there's been dedication and then there's been proper focus and there's been time spent with Jesus to adjust everything to where there's clarity, where there's transparency and there is, there is 
absolute sincerity without dissimulation, then God can move without any human touch on it, without any bitterness on it, without any, without any human, human attitude on it, without any human feeling on it, and a, a human bias or a human prejudice. And when that word comes to you, it's not the preacher. It's God himself saying, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to be free today? How bad do you want to shout today? How bad do you want to be a giver today? How bad do you want to be blessed today? Somebody lift your voice. This ain't a denominational church where we're here to make you happy. This is a church that wants to see you delivered and saved and whole. Somebody lift your voice like a trumpet and give him praise. I'm into this thing now. I'm at a place where I'm dangerous right now. Not against you. You're thinking, oh, oh, what's going to come out of that preacher's mouth next? I have no idea. (laughs) But don't worry, I'm on your side. Don't forget that. If I can get you and I to get an agreement, and you're in agreement with the Word of God, then God says that person doesn't even understand what's going on right now. But give that one repentance. Give that one understanding. Let that one open up a new door and see what's going on, and they can see where they're really at. Put that scripture back up there, please. Verse number 25. In meekness. Meekness does not mean weakness. But the pastor, he yells at us. He screams at us. I actually had somebody that visited this church said, you know, if I want somebody to really start screaming at me, I'll come back to your church. (laughs) The real deal is they had been sitting in an arrangement that wasn't really even a church. And he thought how darkness is the darkness with a person that doesn't understand that this is light. That's, that's genuine darkness. And so they start, the, the denominational world, world starts judging what a pastor should be uh, according to what they feel here and here. here. And they, they, they say, well, a church shouldn't be running. And a church, listen, listen, when you get the devil off your back, you can run. When you got that monkey off your back that, that put you in divorce court and raped your soul and about put you in Eastern Washington Hospital, you can run till your legs bleed. When, when you remember the pit in which you were dug, you can praise him, you can give him glory, you can bring celebration, you can dance, and you don't need anybody to tell you to do it. There can't be any submission issues. Oh, it's getting quiet. I'll just leave that one alone. What God is watching is while this preaching or an evangelist 
or a visiting pastor or somebody is preaching. God is watching how you are responding to everything that's being said. This is why the pulpit cannot have an attitude because that will immediately trigger something and both of us will fall in the ditch and I don't want that to happen. There's some people, all it takes is a certain tone. So I'll try to be lovable and huggable and knowable and receivable. When somebody that has become a captive of the devil, God is watching exactly how you're responding. And if it gets to the place of, I want that. I haven't felt that in a long time. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's going on with me. Something's wrong. It's my spirit. I just have these thoughts. I don't know how to get free, but pastor, I want that. God says, give that one repentance. Give that one repentance. To the acknowledging of the truth. Not Acts 2.38, but now you can finally see I've been listening to the devil. I don't have victory. I don't have purpose and spiritual significance. I'm not being used to God right here. I'm not doing what God wants me to do right here. I'm not where, and God says, give them more light until you come to the place where the preacher don't even need to touch you. You say, devil, I'm done with you. And you recover yourself out of the snare of the devil and say, I'm out of here. I'm out of this trap. Come on, lift your voice. Give God the praise. Lift it higher. Lift it higher. Lift it higher. You're in the arena today. You can't afford not to be free. Somebody clap your hands. Somebody lift your voice. Somebody give God the praise. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. When the pastor is preaching like this, and a great majority of this congregation, it creates a dynamic. It not only creates a vortex, but it creates an ebb and a flow. The ebb and flow did not exist in the first week of creation until there was the firmament. The firmament is a type of praise. It is the residual moisture that is drawn up into the cloud where that cloud, it now rains. It's deposited in, in another place. Well, when the praises go up and it creates that ebb and the flow, you can be sitting in this audience today and that spirit is getting nervous because that is the most powerful place you can be is to be in, a, in an environment where the praise is going up and the pulpit and the pew are working together and you realize there is, there, there is no excuse for anybody to 
to be bound in this church. There is no excuse for anybody to be bound to pornography and profanity and fornication and unclean living and unclean thinking in an environment like this. God is here to break your chains and to set you loose. All over this audience, lift your voice and give God the praise and give God the glory. I'm just about done. In ancient times, when saints were kept in the catacombs, For the pleasure of corrupt and demonic Caesars and rulers. For their delight, they would take apostolic. Those are the only Christians that existed. That's why when Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, that I've wrestled with the beasts of Ephesus. He was using an idiom. He was using the illustration that I have wrestled with beasts just like my brothers and my sisters. But when those, when the crowds at Rome got louder and louder to bring out the beasts, the lions and the tigers and the leopards, a mom or a dad or an entire family that was kept in the prisons and the catacombs were brought out and great sport was made as they would turn that lion loose and corner that hovering, unprotected family. But in that audience, there would be saints that would lift up their voice. They would say, don't sit down. Don't give in, fight. From the stands of the Colosseums, their own brothers and sisters that had seen them abducted and now thrown into the Colosseum would lift their voice, not to judge them and make fun of them, not to put them down, not to look for some chink in the armor of their character, but they would lift their voice and say, stay strong, go out of this with Jesus, go out of this with God, go out of this with valor, go out of this with dignity, go out of this with faith. Clap your hands and give God the praise. There is an unseen world that is looking at you today saying, give God another chance. Go ahead and lift your hands. Go ahead and believe God again. Go ahead and trust God again. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and give God all the praise. Trust God again. Pray again. Get in the Holy Ghost again. Go out with victory. There is a fifth entity that is described in the Gospels, but is not revealed in the arena, but they're very much here.
The angels of God do not rejoice over a baptism, and we have two of them scheduled today. They don't rejoice when somebody speaks in other tongues. They don't rejoice when you've been praying and fasting. They don't rejoice when you've been doing what you're supposed to be doing. They rejoice over one sinner that says, devil, you're done. I wonder if there's anybody in the house that really means it, devil, you are done. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to lift your voice. I want you to let God give you revelation. I want you to let God give you understanding. I want you to let God liberate you in the arena. Musicians, come. Because the angels that have heard what comes out of your mouth and seen what you do when no one's watching are finally rejoicing that instead of running with the devil, now you can go with an angel and they can walk with you. And like Jacob, they can go up the ladder and take a prayer to God from you. And like Jacob, they can bring an answer back from God to you. You're here today. Don't miss this opportunity to become liberated in the arena. Let's lift our hands and praise Him. In fact, this altar's open. If you're standing here today and it's, I gotta get free, I gotta get free from this. I can't explain what it is, Pastor. There's something dark. There's something negative. There's something attached to me. i got to be free from this. I'm, I'm opposing my own what's good for me. I don't want to pray anymore. I don't want to go to church anymore. I'm in opposition to God's will. This entire altar call is open to you. Come. Come. Cornerstone, come and help us pray. Cornerstone, come. Help us pray. There are people that are here today that God's brought you from hundreds of miles to hear this. Come on, Cornerstone, help us. We've got people in this altar that want liberation. 